Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. In this episode, we discuss ESPN's coverage of Women's Euro 2022 so far news about Amazon getting Champions League rights, which US broadcaster is interested in getting the rights to the 2030 World Cup, and a discussion about how USL is moving in on MLS's turf. Plus, we have uh, questions from you listeners in our mailbag segment. My name is Christopher Harris, and I'm I'm joined today by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayar. Kartik, it was great to see you on July 4th in person. It's, It's been a while. Yeah, it has been. Uh, I think I last saw you when I visited St. Augustine a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think last summer. That's right. And uh, always good to catch up and uh, have a cup of tea and uh, just kind of catch up on uh, the news. Uh, Some of it soccer related, some of it not soccer related. Uh, I don't think we talked much about politics when we met up, but... uh, Anyone that's been kind of watching what's been happening in Great Britain, United Kingdom, in terms of uh, the prime minister and all this controversy and the resignations, it almost feels like it's been a, like a week of uh, Premier League off the pitch scandals with you mean things happening behind the scenes, but still pretty entertaining. Yeah, no doubt about that. Okay, Kartik's not ready to go into into politics in terms of talking about politics, which is rare for you, Kartik. No, I mean it was just it's just such a whirlwind this last forty eight hours that we're constantly reacting to things. In fact, I sent sent a DM to one of my friends in the UK um, at whatever time uh, and said, you know, I think Michael Gove is positioning himself to be the PM. That's why he hasn't done anything yet. Two minutes later, <laughs> we both get the alert. Boris Johnson has sacked Michael Gove. So it, it, it's like, you know, any anytime you react, something else happened. A whirlwind of a 48 hours. But I think it is a lesson for maybe our U.S. listeners how parliamentary systems, Westminster-based systems, work very differently than the methodical, slow, grinding, sometimes... Um, counterproductive U.S. system, which is designed to be uh, deliberately slow and deliberative. Yeah, speaking of a whirlwind week, Kartik, uh, we're not going to get really deep into this, but there's been a lot of transfer activity. Uh, July 4th, especially, I mean, when you and I were having a cup of tea, just catching up, lots lots of uh, transfers uh, being announced, a lot of deals being close to being signed. Anything in particular right now that, that stands out from, uh, that, that you've that you're really interested in? 
Yeah, I mean, from my perspective as a Manchester City supporter, I'm really disappointed Raheem Sterling is going to Chelsea. I think, I, I understand it's a different it's a different world now and there are only certain, there are only so many clubs that can take uh, guys on with their salary demands uh, and with their inflated transfer fees. Well, I guess the transfer fee wouldn't be the, 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 the problem here. So several clubs could have paid the $45 because Sterling was entering the final year, year of his contract. But only so many clubs can take um, that sort of wage um, on, on board. But um, I'm very disappointed he's been sold to a direct rival in Chelsea. I think uh, there's a lot of denial and arrogance among some Manchester City fans who are like, ah, he wasn't that good. He was only good because he was on City, blah, blah, blah. I have serious, serious doubts Manchester City can um, acquire a replacement or has anyone on the squad currently that can be as good as consistent for as long a period as Sterling was for Manchester City and at the same time performed at that same level for England. You take him out of the England team, I think we talked about this actually on July 4th, you take Sterling out of the England team, even if it seems like he's not playing well, they're worse without him. So um, that that's the transfer now that stands out to me. Um, actually, it's not done yet, but it's, it's, it's about to be done as we record this. Yeah, the one that stands out for me is uh, Jesse Lingard. And, and this is a player that I rate very, very highly. I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, there's been discussions or talk about him you mean, having a permanent deal at West Ham. But the latest uh, rumors and, and reports are that he's very interested in joining LAFC, which to me is, is almost like a resignation from Jesse Lingard to say, you know what, I'm probably not going to be... Uh, playing much for England in the future. I'm not going to be kind of the first name on the team sheet. I mean, I've got some other players that, that play in the same position as me that have a higher priority. They're going to be on the team sheet, you know, namely Harry Kane, among others. Um, I don't know. I, I just would love to see Jesse Lingard stay in the Premier League and, 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 and play for whether it's West Ham United or some other club. But uh, LAFC, I mean, it obviously has a lot of attraction in terms of going out to California, being a star there, uh, and playing alongside Bale and Cellini. But um, I don't know. I just hope that he, he ends up with a move either to the Premier League or, or, or to Europe. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think uh, it's great for, for U.S. fans to see some of these guys playing in competitive matches. I mean, I thought it was great. And U.S. and Canadian fans, great when Javinko came over. Um, in his prime, but I do feel like we lose a little bit, and, and I know MLS fans are going to go crazy about this, Chris, but we lose a little bit of those players' prime years if they come here. I would say actually the same thing about Giniak going to uh, Mexico, so it's not an MLS-specific con- uh, uh, comment. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel like we miss some of the best years from him in Europe, uh, playing at the highest, highest level. Although uh, Giniak certainly made his impact on uh, on Mexican football, right, and on CONCACAF with his, his performances. But um, I, I don't like this move for that reason. I, I would hope Lingard goes to West Ham or, or um, Everton uh, is a possibility. If they can afford his wages, they have, they have a hole now with Richarlison. I think um, Lampard has experimented with tactics so he can figure out a way to fit Lingard in if they were to sign him. Uh, obviously, a number of other clubs I think he could contribute to. So um, I, I think it's a different situation than Cellini or Bale. Uh, Insigne, um, you know, that's another one, right? I, I think he had a year or two at least uh, left uh, left there in, in, in Europe at the highest level, uh, at a minimum. 
yeah, I'd love to see Lingard uh, move to Italy and play in Serie A. I mean, and, and we've seen a lot of uh, English footballers uh, from the Premier League move to Serie A recently. And they've done really, really well. They, they kind of yeah. added a bright spark to um, a lot of those different teams there. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, that English players have uh, been able to move to Italy and acclimate when we've seen so much trouble through the years of, of English players moving to other leagues on the continent, um, acclimation issues. But we, we see in Chris Smalling and uh, Tomore and, and several others that, you can, you, that uh, they can move to Italy and do quite well, uh, actually. Yeah, yeah, and arguably Tammy Abraham, you can add to that yeah, list. Yeah, too, yeah, for so. sure. Yeah, so what about uh, Kartik? I know you've been busy. I know the British politics and, and everything in terms of uh, the transfer market and uh, I'm, I'm sure a ton of other stuff, right, happening. Um, did you ca- get a chance to watch any of the uh, the Women's Euro 2022 coverage on, on ESPN2 on, on Wednesday? Yeah, I watched, uh, obviously, the England-Austria match, the one match we had, um, which was going on simultaneously with all of this excitement. So there were uh, rumors flying on Twitter that, hey, Boris Johnson, the PM, he's not resigning until after the match. It's because of the match in Manchester, the England-Austria match, that he's not resigning. Well, actually, he waited till the next morning. But, um, you know, even that got kind of political, that match. But, yeah, I I thought, um, look... We we attack. We say a lot about Fox on this show, and and hopefully Fox ups their game for the World Cup. But that broadcast with with uh, Ian Dark, Julie Foudy, um, and then you have uh, Kay Murray in studio. You have Emma Hayes uh, at the match. You have uh, uh, you know Steffi Jones. You know you 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 you're 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 basically seeing what good tournament coverage with an intense focus, a strong studio, and really good commentator and co-commentator can do. Um, And we didn't necessarily see the best from ESPN last summer during the Euros, the men's Euros, remember. Um, We we were somewhat critical of them on this podcast. I think now, uh, with uh, kind of COVID restrictions uh, lifted, the ability to really prep for a tournament, you saw yesterday, again, the ESPN effect. And the bar is really high for Fox. So uh, Fox will have this tournament next time, right? Because they've got the Euro rights, I believe. Um, and we might have to double check on that. But I believe they have this tournament the next time. They've obviously broadcast two Women's World Cups now. And I felt like we had sort of a drop-off from Canada 2015 to uh, 2019, right? I, 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 I felt like it, to France 2019, there was a little bit of a drop-off. or It got kind of static. Now ESPN raises the bar again. So, um, again, maybe maybe I'm biased, Chris, but it feels like every time ESPN puts the ESPN effect on something, um, it, it, it stands out. Yeah, for me, I'm probably not as hot so far so far it's only only one broadcast so far and we're recording this on thursday uh i thought i thought the coverage was decent i mean i i definitely liked uh, ian dark and julie foudy I, I thought the studio the energy level was a little bit flat with uh k murray steffi jones and emma hayes uh it wasn't really exciting but the, the game itself wasn't that exciting either um it just kind of felt 
it felt okay. No, nothing bad, nothing, but nothing over the top. It just was. Uh, it kind of, ma- uh, I guess, that matched the the, the game itself. Um, I'm sure this will be something that will grow as the tournament progresses. Both in our probably not not just us, but but uh, in terms of um, the listeners and viewers, the interest level in this competition as as it goes on. Uh, personally, for me, great seeing Old Trafford, uh, sixty eight thousand people there. Um, the at- the atmosphere going into just before kickoff, as the fans, as as the uh, the players walking onto the pitch, and uh, that looked incredible with the, uh, I mean, the smoke machines and and everything, the national anthems really good atmosphere and i hope this builds as the tournament progresses and i hope too that uh listeners and viewers get give this a chance to and watch this uh, more and more as as it goes on at the same time carty you've got the uh, concacaf uh, w championship happening with the u.s women's national team playing games uh in the u.s and and, and in mexico uh and then you've got uh the women's copa america uh femenina uh, starting on Fox, uh, a lot of those games are going to be on FS1 or FS2. Um, we've got the, the schedule, the TV schedule at WorldSoccerTalk.com. So a lot of women's soccer right now, and um, yeah, I'm going to watch as much as I can. So it, it's going to be a, a great month in July of soccer. Kartik, looking ahead uh, to this weekend, which game would you uh, recommend? I think Germany, Denmark. Um, which is on Friday, uh, 3 p.m. on ESPN2 is a is a match to watch. Now, I think all the matches in this competition, whether they're um, they're mostly on ESPN2 until next week, late next week, you're going to start getting games on ESPN um, or ESPN Plus. Right, uh, everything's on ESPN Plus. You can get uh, uh, basically one broadcast a day on linear television. They're all worth watching. But I think Germany Denmark to me is a particularly interesting match. Uh, Germany has not been at their best in tournaments recently, but they're still historically the powerhouse in European women's football. Denmark, uh, a side that has um, you know uh, ebbed and flowed uh, to, toward the top, has qualified for some tournaments, not qualified for others, but has a very good side this time, I think. So this uh, probably the most interesting match for me of the initial set of matches in the group stage of the Euros. Um, and actually, you know, I, I know which match I'm picking next week, uh, but we'll wait for next week. But because the, there is a great, uh, uh, there's a great match towards the end of a group st- of the group stage. But we'll get to that next week. Okay, great. And then my uh, match to watch this weekend, my recommendation is Racing against Independiente. This is at two thirty Eastern time on Sunday, uh, live on uh, Fanatis. And this is the uh, the second biggest derby in Argentine football. The uh, the Super Clasico, uh, River Plate against Boca Juniors is always kind of uh, el, el numero uno. Uh, this one definitely is going to be interesting to watch too. I mean, Racing is a good team, um, and they're playing at home on Sunday. So this game will be in English um, uh, on Paramount Plus, and then in Spanish on uh, Fanatis, so check it out. So before we move on to the TV streaming news segment, uh, we've got some news of our own. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, listeners, if you know, but World Soccer Talk this week uh, was acquired, acquired by a company named uh, Playmaker. Uh, Playmaker is a sports media company uh, that has a lot of investments uh, throughout North America and South America. Uh, it's probably best known for soccer fans uh, for a couple of different, well, actually a few different reasons. Uh, one is that uh, it, it uh, owns uh, football sites, 
which is a large number of soccer sites uh, throughout South America um, and in uh, Central and North America too. The one that's the most uh, famous out of those are, is uh, Bula uh, VIP, um, and both in English language and in Spanish language. And then in Canada, uh, the company also owns uh, a lot of uh, hockey sites. There's a, a network of sites called The Nation, um, so it's invested in that. And in North America, well, United States of America, uh, it owns Yard Barker. And Yard Barker is uh, well-known, used, used to be owned by Fox Sports back in the day, and is a uh, sp- general sports and news uh, site. So it's added worldsoccertalk.com to that uh, family of sites, uh, which includes this podcast. Uh, some of the questions that came up this week from some of, some of our listeners and readers is, what's going to happen to the podcast well, what's going to happen to World Soccer Talk in general? Uh, everything stays the same. We're going to keep on producing our great content, both uh, through the website, uh, through our app, through email newsletters, through uh, our video, and through our podcast. And if anything, too, in terms of the podcast, uh, we're looking to actually expand this. So in the coming weeks, we're looking to expand uh, the frequency of the podcast, uh, continuing to do this uh, every Thursday in terms of more of the discussion about soccer media, uh, but expand beyond that too and start getting more into talking about soccer news. I mean, we're all watching the games. We're talking about the leagues, the players, the, uh, the teams, etc. cetera. Uh, and we don't want to get more into back and more into kind of that analysis and news. So lots of, lots of uh, big uh, changes happening in the future, but, but really big positive changes. And with Playmaker too, that helps us uh, grow the World Soccer Talk brand and uh, get uh, our voices and our words out to more and more people uh, throughout uh, throughout the United States, but really throughout the world. All right, Kartik, and, and let me just try, try and look through my notes too, too to see if there's any other news. All right, let's move on to TV streaming news. And I'll let you start off on this one. This one's a really intriguing one, Kartik. Yeah, fascinating one. In fact, I think this took up uh, some of our July 4th conversation because I'm curious about what it might mean coming up for the U.S. as Amazon has acquired the UEFA Champions League rights in the United Kingdom. Um, and it's a really big deal because you see now the biggest football product for a U.K. audience outside of the Premier League going to Amazon, going to a, uh, a, a uh, not, not only a streaming platform, but to one of the most uh, incredibly large uh, and diverse companies on the planet, uh, which shows, I mean, I know that they've acquired pieces of the NFL package, right, or some part of the NFL in the U.S., etc. But to me, this is a major, major statement of intent, even dwarfs that in terms of Amazon's uh, willingness and um, and probably uh, now a desire to throw uh, a lot of the, their weight around and they have uh, bottomless resources, right, to bid on things if they wanted to. Um, and, and so let me just say this also, Chris, uh, real quickly. Amazon is a company that typically, and you would hear all these stock analysts and business people say, oh, well, they're never really recording a profit or they're not really, you know, they, 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 it, it's not a great investment because there's, they're a company that has always continued to diversify themselves, right? They, they've made money on one thing, they're doing research and development or acquisitions uh, or, or launching something else, right? They're constantly evolving as a company. They're not static. 
This uh, is something I've been anticipating for a while, right? And we talked about it with regards to MLS. I'm, I'm not shocked MLS went uh, in the streaming direction with its, uh, with its, uh, uh, um, with, with, with its matches, which it's not with its non-linear matches. I am uh, I was kind of surprised it was Apple and not Amazon. I had said two years ago I thought Amazon would make a play for it. Um, this, to me, uh, is a statement of intent, a signal that they're coming. What it could mean in the U.S. is any number of rights. Uh, what's not going to be up in the near future? La Liga is not going to be up. MLS is not going to be up the, the streaming portion, right? That's with Apple for 10 years. Premier League is six more years with, with NBC. Everything else is up soon. Um, and I think there is a good chance they're going to start acquiring these properties. So be prepared. Yeah, about, about six months ago, Kartik, you were the one that uh, on this podcast, this very own pe- podcast, you said like, hey, when the MLS was kind of stuck in a situation where it couldn't really find um, kind of a rights holder that was going to uh, give them the money that they wanted, uh, that they valued the rights at, that uh, that Amazon, Amazon could be something that w- just have Amazon come in and just go ahead and t- gobble up everything. Um, and that gives MLS the money and kind of the long-term growth. Uh, and also the simplicity on, on the consumer side where they know they can go to one place and see everything. Well, it ended up being not Amazon, but ended up being Apple, where they got the exclusive global rights to every single game for the next 10 years. And yes, we will find out uh, in the next few weeks in regards to the TV side, like, you mean, okay, so Fox and ESPN most likely to pick up some games, smaller packages than what they have, uh, but will at least get MLS some of those games on television. However, this one I find interesting because at the same time, so, the, so Amazon always is more um, uh, aggressive in Europe. So Amazon's done a lot more deals in Europe for sports rights, uh, soccer specifically. And then, uh, and then eventually we believe that they will come to the United States and start doing some big soccer, de- soccer deals too. Like you said, Kartik, there's not a lot of rights that are available. Champions League is the big one. Champions League, uh, for a lot of organizations out there, TV broadcasters, is not a moneymaker, but it is a prestige. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, if you say, if you're CBS Sports and you say, hey, I have the rights to the UEFA Champions League, that carries a lot of weight. So for whether it's for a general public, whether it's for uh, the industry, whether it's for advertisers or sponsors, uh, if you say, hey, I have the rights to the Champions League, that's a big deal for soccer fans, right? If whoever has the Champions League, uh, that that's a major broadcaster. Now, according to my sources, uh, well, we well before we get to that, I, we, so for this in the United States, um, how does this impact the United States? Well, in the United States, the company that has the rights to the uh, UEFA Champions League to go ahead and be the broker, to, to be the, the the company that's selling it, those rights, is Relevant Sports. I mean, best known for International Champions Cup, but also very involved in uh, the F1, Formula One uh, Grand Prix in Miami. Uh, it's a company owned by the, the, the person, the billionaire, uh, Stephen Ross, who owns the Miami Dolphins. So Relevant Sports has the rights in the United States to sell. So they are shopping it around to all the different uh, broadcasters. Uh, and later this year, I mean, we might find out who's going to have the UEFA Champions League rights uh, in the coming years. I mean, this coming season, yes, obviously CBS Sports for the uh, 2022-23 season has the Champions League. 
But in the future, it's quite possible those might move. According to my sources, the amount of money that Relevant Sports is asking for the uh, or expecting rights holders to pay for the UEFA Champions League rights in the United States is astronomical. It's way, way, way above what CBS Sports is paying now, way above what Turner uh, paid for that before, way above what Fox Sports paid for that before. So they're really kind of pushing this UEFA Champions League as, hey, if you want to be the king of kings and have the most prestigious, one of the most prestigious club soccer tournaments in the world, arguably the most prestigious soccer club tournaments in the world, the UEFA Champions League is it. It will put you on the map. And who out there is interested? Amazon has the money. Apple has the money. Uh, This would be a massive play for both of those. And whoever would get it, you can guarantee that I mean, you're going you're to get uh, millions of people going to that service to subscribe to that service because they have the Champions League. So it's too early. It's too early to tell. But Amazon must be one of those uh, contenders in this, um, as would be Apple. Apple, it would make perfect sense to go ahead and at least uh, have discussions with relevant sports um, and about getting the rights to the UEFA Champions League, and at least at least have start those conversations and see, okay, what is what does that give us? You mean, what, what, you mean in terms of the package, and you have to remember too, Kartik, right? The next UEFA Champions League deal is going to be under the new system, which is the whole, which is the, the group stages out of the way. They have you know, a strange structure that's kind of a one like a league table where each team doesn't play each other. Uh, the same number of times, and it, it, it's set up to really give priority and give um, advantages to the big, massive super yeah, clubs. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's the super league with UEFA sanctioning, basically. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. But it, at the end of the day, you even though it's not as uh, in terms of a sporting merit, not as prestigious as say a regular league season. Um, where it is fair and balanced, um, it's still going to be the big clubs and it's still going to carry a lot of interest for soccer fans around the world, but uh, specifically here in the United States for what we're discussing. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right. Can't take Two more news items real fast. Uh, ESPN is interested, uh, according to uh, an interview that... Um, Richard Deitch did with uh, ESPN uh, chairman uh, Jimmy Pitaro. They are interested in getting the rights to the 2030 FIFA World Cup. So 2022 this year, obviously, Fox Sports and uh, Telemundo have the rights, as well as the 2026 World Cup that's going to be in the United States, Mexico and Canada. Fox has the rights to that, as does uh, Telemundo. And then 2030, it's up for bid. It's it's anyone's game. Well, it's not it's not ready for bidding yet. But according to uh, Jimmy Pataro, ESPN chairman, uh, when he was asked about the rights to the 2030 uh, World Cup, he said, "Whenever FIFA's ready to talk, we're ready to sit down to, uh, uh, with them without any reservations. If they were coming up, uh, if if the rights were coming up for the next uh, World Cup in 2026, I would say the same thing." So ESPN, they've, I mean, they had the World Cup rights for so long. Uh, it was a, a huge upset, a huge shock when Fox Sports got the rights uh, for the 2020, uh, 2018-22, and then they renewed it uh, for the 2026. So ESPN wants it badly. And, and in many ways, too, I, I feel this is more of a, another major play, more so for ESPN+. Plus Because in 2030, which seems so far away, eight years away, you mean, will c- cable and satellite even be in existence? Will everything be streaming at that point? Um, quite possibly, but this is this would be a major deal if we could get ESPN to get the 2030 uh, rights to the World Cup. Last but not least, uh, VIX Plus, which is the streaming service from Televisa Univision. Uh, this is going to be the paid version of their streaming service. VIX is their free streaming service for Spanish language audiences. VIX Plus. Uh, is going to launch on July 21st, 2022, with a price point of $6.99 a month. Uh, What this will give us, in addition to shows and movies in Spanish language, it will have exclusive games to soccer, uh, reportedly thousands of games over a course of a year. What we don't know yet is which games those will be. So a lot of the games that may in the past have been on, say, UEFA Champions League games might have been on, say, uh, Univision or Tudo N.A. Um, or uh, Galavision or some uh, Unamas. Uh, some of these games are going to be for Spanish language audiences exclusively available through the VIX Plus streaming service uh, for six ninety nine a month. So we will have to wait and see uh, which games will be exclusive to that. And which ones won't? Which ones will be available for free? Which ones will you have to pay for? But uh, it's coming soon. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. We've got a lot to get through. Uh, On the topic of MLS, Gene says, I think it would be a great idea if MLS follows the Champions League model between Apple and a linear TV partner. Throughout the season, the Whiparound show could be on linear TV, while the actual games would be between the MLS app and some on Apple TV+. Once the playoffs start, then Linear TV should pick up those games and the MLS Cup. Like you guys, like you guys said on many 
pods before, the MLS season is basically a cup competition. The MLS Cup is the only game that draws over a million viewers without strategically placing it around other larger events. Obviously, Champions League has much better quality and larger fan bases, but MLS regular season is simply not a TV product, and the ratings show it. As fantasy sports and gambling becomes legal and more popular, uh, there is definitely a market out there of people who just want to want a piece of every game like the Golasso Show or Gold Rush or the NFL Red Zone. We know the diehard fans of MLS clubs will get the app, so I feel it doesn't hurt to show the whip around on linear TV to attract soccer fans of different leagues or fans other sports that are looking for something to watch in the summer months. So... So the plan right now is for the Whip Around show to be available uh, through streaming only uh, and not on television. So it's it's possible. I, I, I don't know. It's unlikely that they would put that on, on TV. What, what do you think, Kartik? I don't know because um, CBS has had su- such success with the Galassos show um, that maybe they are reassessing things. But, yeah, they've never... They never seem sufficiently committed to it. And with MLS having so many teams now and being really difficult to follow um, because of the number of teams. And really, I, that's, I, I give all these other critiques of MLS from a business perspective, et cetera. One of the reasons I kind of dropped off is I can't follow a 30-team league, right? It's, it's really difficult. Um, it takes more of your attention than, uh, than just about anything else. I think a whip-around show now more than – even on the final day, I remember the final day of the 2015 season, they did a really good whip around show with Max Bredos hosting. And I think Todd Grisham was involved right on ESPN. Um, uh, even it, now, even more than then, I think it's, it's needed. And I think it's a good linear solution. CBS has shown that with the Galazzo show. Yeah, I think uh, the I think MLS is made for a whip around show. And I, I say that uh, in all due respect. I mean, I think it's one of those things that, yeah, like you said, Kartik, there's so many teams and a lot of the, the kickoff times are around about the same time uh, on, on a weekend night, for example, you mean whether it's 7.30 Eastern or 8 p.m. Eastern, there's just so many games happening at the same time. And it is impossible to kind of uh, watch all of them. And it's sometimes difficult to figure out which is the game to watch because I asked I ask some of the, our readers and listeners like, hey, which which game do you recommend to watch? And I watch it, and it's okay, but it's very physical. The level of play is decent, but nothing extraordinary. Um, and I think a whip around show really would really give an opportunity for for viewers uh, to to see the best parts. I mean, between like I mean, almost thirty teams and having a whole bunch of them playing playing roughly at the same time or, or over the course of. You mean uh, four four to six hours, and then watching like say two whip around shows consecutively, you're going to see a lot more action. You're going to see a lot more opportunities to learn more about the teams, to learn more about the players. And I think also one more point on this Kartik is that oftentimes there's a lot of teams that don't get national exposure. So whether it's uh, Colorado, Colorado Rapids or if it's I don't know Real Salt Lake or it's uh, Chicago Fire. Some of these teams don't get that much uh, national broadcast uh, airtime. It's always LAFC, LA Galaxy, NYCFC. Uh, I mean, it's it's usually the same teams. You know, Atlanta United. So this will give an opportunity to learn more about the the, the teams, uh, the players, and see more of the action and see more of the entertainment part of it. 
And I think on streaming, that's perfect. And that's a great way to, for people who are interested in signing up for Apple TV, that's, that's a big selling point. Because there is no whip, whip around show uh, for MLS right now. If you want to watch uh, MLS whip around show, you're, you're out of luck because it doesn't it doesn't exist. Uh, and if it is available, I think streaming would be a better option. But maybe TV, maybe they can uh, they can uh, convince Apple to give them uh, permission to go ahead and show some of these whip around shows on TV because that it's much needed there too. Uh, next up is Chris. Chris says, uh, even though it seems unlikely at this point, I think it makes a lot of sense for Turner Sports to acquire the linear TV rights uh, to MLS for one major reason, live content on Sunday afternoons. Since they have shifted their major, their weekly Major League Baseball game to Tuesday nights, both TBS and TNT are expected to not uh, to not have any live sports or programming in general on Sunday afternoons from mid-June until early October getting MLS along with a few other properties, uh, for example, NASCAR, would fill this void in an important time, sh- time slot for li- live sports. We can look at Turner's NHL coverage as a possible preview of what MLS on Turner Sports would look like, especially when it comes to the playoffs. As someone who has watched their uh, NHL coverage extensively this past year, I have to say that Turner has put in a great effort in terms of production values and studio talent. I hope they do the same with MLS, should they somehow get the rights. And we thought this was likely, um, probably, I mean, six to nine months ago. Yeah. But but you know what happened, Kartik, right? Well, they got the U.S. rights in between, which... Uh, sort of satisf- satisfies that uh, that demand, and of course the merger with Discovery Plus, the change in management. Uh, we've already seen it affect CNN, right? Their sister channel, where uh, Jeff Zucker uh, was ousted uh, almost immediately uh, after the merger went through. So I-, I think maybe priorities have changed there. Although, again, I remind the listeners, Discovery has a long history in soccer. Uh, in Europe, again, like Amazon, right? Amazon, you said, has been more uh, aggressive about acquisitions in Europe of, of soccer properties. Discovery has a long history of covering soccer in uh, Europe without touching the sport in the U.S. or touching sport in, in, at all in the U.S. Um, so that is intervened. But I also think the U.S. thing is important because Turner got for a relatively low price a product that they know is going to matter and gets them into the soccer space. Um, without uh, uh, all of this uh, uh, haggling with MLS. So um, I think they're, if they get it, it's gravy, right? It's the cherry on top of the cake. If they don't get it, oh, well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Next, next up is RJ. RJ says, I think that by, and far, uh, by far and away, the biggest losers in the Apple MLS, MLS deal are the markets where local MLS teams have consistently been shown on over-the-air uh, free uh, channels over the years. I really think that the accessibility provided by over-the-air TV deals has been beneficial to the sport and has accelerated casual fandom, particularly in markets where the big five sports aren't all present, for example, Portland, Seattle, Kansas City, etc. The NFL benefits from scarcity of product, which is why it's such a massive ratings hit. And in my mind, MLS has an almost perfect amount of games for TV deals, one or two games in a week, Varied competitions, such as the U.S. Open Cup, CONCACAF, Champions League, etc., with games lasting two hours each. Overall, I'm not sad to see the regional sports networks lose the rights, 
But I'm curious to see if the Apple deal backfires and MLS ends up with fewer casual fans in established markets. Also, uh, he goes on to say, um, RJ, I hope that uh, MLS doesn't uh, entirely remove local TV broadcast talent from the coverage. Relying solely on a national broadcast will lessen the strength of the relationship with the local viewers. And unlike the NFL, I don't think that MLS is quite there yet. A national broadcast center with a majority of games being called off monitors sounds sterile to me. Shout out to the Colorado Rapids play-by-play guy, Richard Fleming, a real diamond in the rough. Hopefully he can slide it over to one of the national broadcast teams. That is the fear, though, Kartik, with MLS in terms of this Apple TV deal, which is a great deal with a great company. The valuation, I think, could have been much higher over the course of the 10 years. But having said that, though, too, the big question is is reach. You mean, is MLS going to be more visible because of this deal with Apple or less visible? And it depends. If you're not in the Apple TV ecosystem, if you don't own an iPhone, you don't have an Apple TV, uh, you're an Android user or you have, you have Android TV or you have a Roku, yes, you can still get the MLS uh, app uh, from Apple TV on those other s- devices. However, it's not an intuitive experience. It's not like tons of Apple, uh, ton, tons of Android users have Apple TV. There's a reason why... They don't have a lot of uh, Apple TV phones or devices because they don't believe in that Apple system in terms of kind of that very closed system. So that's that's the big question. I mean, we had the same question, Kartik, really, when, with the Bundesliga. And we had a lot of arguments when the Bundesliga moved to streaming, ESPN Plus, streaming all the games and yes, now and again, some appear on TV, but the vast majority, almost every, well, every single game is on ESPN+. Plus. We said at the time, does this mean that the Bundesliga is going to become less visible or more visible? And what would you say in terms of where the Bundesliga is today? And, and does that, you mean, what, what indication does that give us about MLS, perhaps? Uh, it's less visible. And my fear was justified. Um, people interpreted my fear as an endorsement of Fox's coverage of the Bundesliga, which it wasn't. It was a fear that, yes, ESPN will do a much better job presenting the league. There's no question about it, but you're taking it from linear. And Fox showed um, almost as many Bundesliga matches on linear television as NBC showed Premier League matches. Um, uh, let's not forget that. Granted, many, many of them were on FS2, which has uh, it's still in about 60 million homes, right? It's, it's not insignificant um, and weren't very well promoted, right? But they were showing uh, there were more linear Bundesliga matches on uh, in the U.S. than MLS matches, right? It was the second most televised league in this country. So um, that has been removed, and now you're seeing four matches a year uh, on uh, on. Uh, linear television four or five a year yeah it, it's totally diminished the visibility of of the league and i think it's made it very niche to be quite frank as much as we love how espn presents it um and so that's a that's a lesson 
And uh, in terms of La Liga, we, do, we can't make the comparison because because uh, people are saying, well, La Liga is in more, more, more people's faces with ESPN and the Disney uh, treatment and, and ESPN effect. Uh, yeah, sure, that's because it was on VN previously. But going from Fox linear to ESPN streaming, I do not think has helped the Bundesliga's visibility in this country. I think it's hurt it, quite frankly. What I would say, though, Kartik, is that ESPN Plus, I would say, easily is the most accessible streaming service for sports fans. So it has, what, over 20 million subscribers. It's it's growing rapidly. Uh, it's still relatively... Um, relatively cheap to, to sign up for in terms of how much you get, how much value you get so whether you're a soccer fan a sports fan or if you're, if you're part of the disney bundle all everything that you get the value that you get is i think right now greater than what the price is which is which is a great deal for consumers and i'm sure over time that price will increase but however so going back to the the mls question ESPN knew what those numbers were. ESPN Plus has been streaming MLS games for several years, uh, since, what, 2015? Uh, and then before that, with probably ESPN3 or whatever service they were using, ESPN360, uh, they know those numbers intimately. They know the numbers on the TV side in terms of what ESPN Deportes was doing or what ESPN2 was doing, et cetera, et cetera, ABC for games with uh, MLS. However... In this rights deal for MLS in the bidding, ESPN Plus didn't bid. They didn't even, they didn't even bid for the rights to uh, get to get the streaming rights. So it tells you that they don't have a lot of long-term faith on the streaming side in MLS. And, and there's got to be a reason for that. Now, Apple TV has no history with MLS in terms of knowing what those numbers are. Um, so they're going into this... I wouldn't say blindly. I'm sure they did the research and due diligence. Um, but this is an opportunity. I, I think still, I think this is more of a toe in the water to learn more about the soccer audience and try to, especially with a global deal. With it being a global deal, it's really enticing for, for Apple TV. This is an opportunity to kind of learn from this, maybe from the broadcast side, just in terms of the way that they cover soccer and they broadcast soccer and what fans like and don't like. Um, before they get into the Champions League, before they get into other rights that might become available, which could include the World Cup. So I, I, that, that's, yeah, it, it's it, RJ brings up some good points. And, and I think in terms of the local broadcasters, um, not having those games on over-the-air uh, television, that's a huge, huge uh, loss for MLS. And in those areas, I could see in terms of the reach becoming lower because then at that point, MLS fans have to say, okay, before I, I got it for free, am I willing to pay whatever the price is going to be, which we don't know yet, for Apple TV, for the MLS games on Apple TV? So so we, we, we will have to wait and see on that one. But, but RJ brings up some good points. There let, let, me, let me point this out also, Chris. I think that there is a desire by MLS to use this as an incentive for people to buy season tickets for their local club. I've been thinking about this the last few weeks since we've known about this deal and effectively throwing it in for season ticket holders. We originally said, oh, that satisfies current season ticket holders, which it does, right? But I think it's also an incentive, hey, you're going to get this package for free if you have season tickets. Um, And it's a sales mechanism. Whether it works or not is a whole different matter, but I think that might be part of the thinking. 
it, it almost feels though that they, they, they're throwing a bone to the MLS owners, uh, to the, the even the actual owners that uh, are you mean invested in the the private entity that that is uh, MLS. You mean so whether you're the the craft family or et cetera, any, any of these uh, kind of billionaires that own these local clubs, and you feel as a billionaire owner of one of these clubs, you say, hey, what's this going to happen to my ticket sales? Is this going to hurt my ticket sales? Because now people can subscribe to Apple TV and watch every single game with no local blackouts. This, I don't want this. This is this is not a good thing. Uh, and I can see almost MLS saying, okay, well, hey, what we'll do is we'll include streaming in the season ticket package. And then that way, it it won't cannibalize the actual ticket sales. So we will still get a large number of people. And actually, maybe, like you said, Kartik, maybe that'll actually help a lot of people that are on the fence say, you know what, I'm going to get a season ticket because that also includes the uh, the Apple TV service too. And, I mean, it's a win-win. So, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I feel, I feel in a way that... Um, because there were reports that came out what a couple of weeks ago from a reporter from Forbes uh, was saying that his discussions with a lot of the MLS owners uh, were that they were dissatisfied. They were not happy with this Apple TV deal, that they had a lot of concerns about this deal. Uh, and there are a lot of questions to be answered in terms of how the pricing is going to be structured and if this is going to be a good thing for MLS in the long term. I, th- I think being on streaming and having all the games available is a smart move. I just don't know if the numbers will be good enough for Apple and MLS and will continue to grow if a lot of the games are invisible, if so, a lot of the games are not on TV. So so what's the uh, expectation on year-to-year growth? I also want to hear that because I think that is where MLS messed up with um, their current rights holders who, who – admittedly are still in for the linear packages, Univision, Fox, and and ESPN, but uh, are probably not willing to pay the same amount or pay the amount that MLS had initially wanted for this. Um, How they've set those expectations with Apple is important. But again, I mean, uh, Chris, I think this is an important thing you and I have to keep talking about is that now there is a veil in terms of that, right? We'll never see the numbers. We'll never know the numbers. They're internal discussions, right? Whereas in the past, because Nielsen ratings are very prominent, everybody has a way of finding out what the numbers are if they really want to know. Um, Garber publicly was setting expectations. Garber was publicly playing kind of a, 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 a fencing match or whatever you want to say with, with, with the broadcast partners about where the numbers are and where they would be. And they didn't meet those targets plainly. So um, I'm, I'm still curious about that with the Apple deal. What is the internal expectation that they've set? Yeah, the other thing about this too is just going back to RJ's point about the broadcasters and the, the commentators is that we've mentioned this before, but I'm going to kind of extend upon this a little bit more too. We've mentioned that the quality is, is utmost because this is a, if it's an Apple brand, uh, Apple's branded with this in terms of MLS, the quality expectations have to be much greater than, than kind of the, the average. So viewers who own Apple TV devices, who own Apple uh, iPhones, uh, who have more more disposable income are going to be expecting high quality on these broadcasts. And uh, I think in many ways, too, because it's a global deal, it means that the commentated commentated teams or the the actual talent that you're hiring – 
has to be quality. It has to be something that if you're listening in and watching a game live from Europe or uh, Australia or Asia or around the world, you'll be listening and hearing the, the same uh, commentary uh, through Apple TV. So it needs to be some somebody that's worldly, that's uh, able to talk about um, the game at, at, at a high level, that's going to be someone that's experienced and so that that's so when the MLS does pick those and select those people that are going to be those commentary teams, it has to be high quality. So, you mean, are you going to hire some people outside of your bubble that are some big names or are you going to go with the ones that you have now? And so there's some really good ones uh, among the ones that we have right now to, to pick and choose. Or are you going to pick somebody that is, you mean... Uh, not controversial. That uh, doesn't is pretty bland and sterile, but doesn't say anything negative or, or controversial. Um, but it's pretty boring for the consumer to listen to because it's just kind of mundane or filled with stats or just not really good commentary. All right, Kartik, moving on. Uh, this raised a lot of eye, uh, eyebrows. <laughs> you, you you missed last week's podcast with John Roder. Um, I wanted to catch up with John because it is a world. Uh, an expert on world feeds especially um but uh usl and mls we had a discussion about that and 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 we had a discussion about uh, the usl tv ratings uh which for the second game in a row on espn the numbers were were really good i thought they were decent i think it was like well roughly one hundred and forty thousand for the second game um so ra says i agree with the usl point both leagues are struggling to grow and they depend on espn more than ESPN depends on them. Dave says, 150,000 people watching a game for USL on ESPN is not impressive. MLS national ratings are generally mediocre, and USL ratings seem lower than uh, MLS all else equal. Is your argument that USL may be good per dollar rights, potential for USL to grow? I enjoyed both USL and ESPN games, but the data suggests that uh, I, I am an outlier on that. And then Ethan, <laughs> Ethan's got some really uh, uh, pointed uh, remarks. Ethan says, it's a joke that you guys are placating USL fans with the, this USL ratings discussion about how it's close to MLS. They are not repeating it. Trying to make fetch happen doesn't make it so. What you guys, Chris, are doing is disingenuous. You're cherry-picking stats to make your case. First example, folks repeating this falsehood have done with using ESPN versus ESPN2 numbers. Those are two different things. It's disingenuous when there, there were head-to-heads available on ESPN. So why is this lie getting repeated and pushed? Truth is, those USL numbers are okay, not great, just okay, but let's be honest. Your suggestion that ESPN could be contemplating or using some leverage is fairy tale dreamland, honest, constructive criticism, critique. Quit trying to manufacture narratives and be an honest broker. MLS had a higher floor, floor a much higher ceiling. It's embarrassing the spin being attempted here. So I think, Ian, I think we definitely struck a nerve there. I think what I, what I was saying is that the numbers were similar. You have to look at in terms of how much coverage, how much um, promotion MLS has had on just let's just look at ESPN as an example since 2015. You mean whether it's broadcast of a FA Cup final or a championship uh, playoff final or MLS games or, or um, 
uh, even Euros or you name it. There's been so much like, hey, coming up next, we've got an MLS game. The, the amount of promotion that ESPN has done, which I know a lot of listeners will disagree with this, this point. Uh, it's always a, a point of, of debate. But US, ESPN promotes MLS pretty heavily. Sure, they could be promoting it more on Sports Center and these other shows, but they've done a massive amount, amount of promotion. And when you look at MLS TV ratings and you compare them side by side against USL, where there's been no promotion, and USL is looked down upon by a lot of MLS fans as second division, lower quality, lower playing quality, and you have two games that come up on USL and ESPN uh, the first one with Detroit, the second one with Hartford. Uh, good games, entertaining games, high playing level quality, comparative to MLS, certainly. And the numbers, yes, a little bit lower than what uh, MLS would get on ESPN, but greater than what uh, even FS1's getting for what Philadelphia Union against Sporting Kansas City, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. To me, this this is definitely a point of contention. If I'm ESPN. I'm looking at these these USL numbers going, okay, with no promotion, and who who knows how much uh, ESPN is actually paying USL for these games, it's probably a pittance compared to what uh, they're paying for MLS rights. And the numbers, arguably, are, are pretty close. They're not, they're not the same, but they're pretty close. They're in the same ballpark. Kartik, do you have anything to add on this one? Yeah, yeah, I agree with everything you've said and uh, would add that, yeah, I do I do agree that there is a, a, a difference between uh, ESPN and ESPN2. But again, here we go again with um, expectations versus reality, cost paid versus reality. Again, we are judging MLS's ratings based on their own expectations that they set there seems to be this narrative among some mls fans that this podcast you and i are are out to get mls uh we're cherry picking stats we're making mls look bad deliberately in fact i have you can go back and look at my twitter feed i at times have uh, have compared mls's ratings favorably with the premier league and you know, in fact, maybe been wrong about it in hindsight because I've been so eager for MLS to do well. Um, here is the point. They they pay a lot more for rights for MLS than they do for a lot of properties that are not soccer properties that get higher numbers on ESPN or on ESPN2. They're uh, uh, paying very, very little for USL, I'm told. Um Obviously, I have I have contacts within some USL clubs that have told me this that that it's that it's a basically a nominal amount of money, and if they're able to flip it on, throw it on television without any promotion, MLS does get promoted by ESPN. I mean, I've watched uh, um, other sporting events on ESPN and been surprised that they've been very aggressive in promoting MLS. Maybe not this season, but in previous seasons, I haven't really watched other sports on ESPN recently, but uh, I'm sure I will at, at some point. Uh, but the point is, with no promotion, with paying very little in rights fees, they are getting 150 to 200 k in viewers. With a lot of promotion and a much higher rights fee, they're getting um, 150 to 400 k for MLS. So maybe some weeks it pushes beyond that. 
I, I, I don't think, uh, uh, I, I think, you know, if all things were equal, sure, you know, there are more, there are more people interested in MLS in the U.S. than USL, even though um, MLS fans like to, uh, like, to, like to not acknowledge that there are a lot of large markets that don't have MLS clubs and have USL clubs. And there are also some markets that have MLS clubs where there is interest in lower division soccer and people watch USL. Um, but it, all things aren't equal here is the point. Yeah, and it's oftentimes we we um, me in particular I play the role of kind of devil's advocate. I'm I'm trying to see both sides, and oftentimes you're not going to hear if you're listening to MLS podcasts or going to MLS Reddit's or following MLS people. Many of them completely disregard or ignore USL. So there hasn't been a lot of coverage about those USL TV numbers. Uh, we're probably one of the few podcasts that are actually talking about it and just discussing it, just analyzing it a little bit. Um, and there's probably very few people that, that listen or, or write about on the USL side. So, I mean, there, there definitely are lots of USL podcasts too, but uh, not nearly the number of on the MLS side. So oftentimes we're trying to right down the middle, just trying to analyze it and compare it side by side and looking at it too, also from ESPN's perspective, because... I'm sure they're having the same thoughts. I'm sure they're having the same discussions going like, wow, that's that's pretty impressive, uh, those numbers that uh, USL got for those games. Like, how can we grow that? And with USL having an opportunity this year to have discussions with broadcasters, including ESPN, about uh, the next deal, this is an opportunity for USL to use this as, as some leverage to say, hey, we've got a good thing going. We've signed some major deals. We've got some teams being added. Uh, this is what our this is what our story is, and this is how it's different than MLS. And you I mean it, it's an interesting interesting story, as is MLS too. But they're com- two completely different uh, on different paths, and sometimes those paths do cross. And this is a rare time when those paths do cross between USL and MLS on ESPN. So we're looking at those numbers. Uh, we shall move on. This one was feedback to you, Kartik. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, Nick. I'm sorry, it's just a little bit too long, but I'll, I'll read a part of it. Uh, Nick says, I have to push back on Kartik's point two weeks ago about the competition that soccer faces in Europe from other sports uh, versus uh, in the United States. I can only speak from experience on Italy, as that is the only place I've ever lived. But I can tell you that in, in Italy, no sport other than soccer is really part of the cultural landscape, and none of the, those other sports can be considered competitors to soccer really by any metric. Um, there are anyway, it goes on and on and on and on and say, but basically that, uh, and there was actually somebody else too that left some feedback too, which I don't see here, which I apologize for not including. But there was somebody else saying that uh, Kartik, your take on on London not being a, uh, a soccer-centric city, uh, they completely disagreed with, uh, and based it more so on terms of uh, the number of teams in London, professional teams in London, soccer teams, um, and, and, and used that as an example of just how uh, soccer-crazy London is. However, I'm, I'm guessing you'll disagree. Yeah, so I'm basing it on my own experience, and it's it's anecdotal, right? Because it's it's my own experience. It's not based on any empirical numbers I've seen. But um, you can walk around London on a football match day. Arsenal can be playing at home. West Ham can be playing at home. Uh, QPR or Chelsea can be playing at home. So every every side of London is covered, and not know there's a football match going on. Not see many football fans. Not see many people in football kits. Um, 
that's very possible in London. It's happened to me. It's happened to me multiple times. Um, uh, if you're in Manchester, no chance. If it's a match day for United or City, or even if you're in kind of the outlying areas and it's a match, it's a it's a match day for Oldham or it's a match day for Bolton, um, you chances are you'll know that. If you're in Liverpool or in Birkenhead, no chance. You're going to know Everton, Liverpool, or Tranmere are playing that day. So um, it's uh, it's different. And it's actually something that, um, actually, I said it was anecdotal. In addition to me, I've talked to people who are not soccer fans who've gone to England. They've gone to London. Eh, no, no big deal. They're still kind of anti-soccer when they come back to the U.S. They go to Liverpool. They're like, okay, now we know why you love this sport so much. They feel the passion just being in the streets of Liverpool or Manchester. So it's different. Now, maybe I exaggerated by saying it's not a football town. It's not, it's not like Paris, which is clearly not a football town. Um, it's clearly rugby first and, and, and other things. But... Um, I don't think it's quite like the cities in the north or even like Birmingham. Birmingham's another city. If, 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 if Birmingham City, uh, Villa, even West Brom, maybe even Wolves are playing, you, you kind of know it if you're there. Right. Yeah. I, I remember just a few years ago going to uh, the city of York uh, in England and uh, going to the train station, getting ready to uh, take a train probably probably to the north or to the south. I can't remember. Uh, probably to Wales, perhaps. But um, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like the police were rushing through the, the train station, like kind of like pushing people to the sides. This was like like basically what was happening was that the the trains were arriving into York in the next few minutes uh, with Leeds United supporters, and the whole train station, like basically the public were like almost running away, kind of just like leaving the platforms. Uh, like the security, uh, the actual railings were put up to kind of make sure that. Uh, that the Leeds United fans wouldn't be mixing with the general public. It was a big deal. It was like they, they took over the entire train station uh, in York. And, I, and I've seen that too. Actually, I've seen it in London too, where uh, one of the, uh, I'm not sure if it's Euston or one of, the, one of the train stations in London, and all of a sudden, I mean, I think it was Millwall fans came, came, came through the train station, completely took it over, thousands of them, or it seemed like be thousands, singing, chanting, you know, the scarves and... Uh, it's it's something when you do see that. So no matter what city in the world, uh, if it's a march to the stadium or whatever it is, and you see like hundreds, if not thousands, of people moving all together in one, it's a pretty pretty amazing experience to see it to stand back as a neutral. Um, and in my younger days, I would have been probably part of I would have, I would have been part of that kind of Swansea fans. I mean, going to the stadium among thousands of people, and on a match day, you knew that that was a match day that that local team, in my case Swansea, would be playing. It would be taking over the entire city. You'd see, see scarves. You'd see, you mean, just uh, congregations of large men hanging outside. You mean pubs or uh, fish and chip shops or wherever it may be. Uh, match days were a big thing in London. You could have no idea that there were like several uh, professional football teams happening playing that day because it's such a big city with so many people, with so many tourists, and also a lot of the activity and the buzz around London happens underground, happens uh, on the, uh, the the tube, uh, or on the railway system, or on public transportation. So some of it you could walk around London all day long and not even realize that Arsenal's playing. 
or West Ham United yep. Yep. Or, or Charlton or Crystal Palace or you go down the list. There's so many teams in London. I, I, I'll tell you another one. Leeds fans travel in such great numbers that if you're in a town where, and this may not be the case anymore because they're back in the Premier League, but if you're in a town uh, which has a championship club or even those few years they were in League One uh, and Leeds happens to be coming to town, you know. You know there's a football match on, and it's not necessarily because of the home supporters. It's because Leeds fans um, came traveled in such great numbers. Yeah, they were the away fans, right? They were the away contingent. Yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, no, still to this day, I mean, Leeds definitely travel in numbers. Um, we'll get to that, too, I'm sure, in the coming weeks uh, as we get closer to the Premier League season, talking about all the, the moves that Leeds United have made in the transfer market, some really interesting stories there. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, wrap up. Uh, listeners, if you do have any questions for us, any feedback, uh, if you'd like to um, ask us about anything in terms of uh, soccer streaming or, or television uh, broadcasts, uh, we also have, also let, let me add too, we've also just launched the World Soccer Talk Awards for 2022. So we have categories uh, for you to vote on, the public, to vote on everything from uh, best TV coverage, best streaming coverage, uh, best commentator, best co-commentator, best uh, TV presenter, uh, best podcast, etc. Uh, definitely check best that out. YouTube, at, which, uh, best YouTube, which best YouTube channel. Which is already, you know, I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback on on our nominees for that. So uh, I stand by our nominees. But uh, I guess everybody has a YouTube channel now, or uh, and you know, there are people who are contacting me, upsetting, upset that we didn't put them on the list, but. Um, it's yeah, there's so, there's so many, there's so many, there's so many out there. I mean, and there's, there's some really good ones, really. Uh, so we've got a, a best YouTube channel uh, and also best fan YouTube channel, uh, and the voting is getting pretty pretty intense already. Uh, it's open for the entire month of July, but the sooner you get your vote in, the better. Um, that could make a difference in terms of who gets that um, the, to win the award in in each of those different categories. So head on over to worldsoccertalk.com and you'll see a link on the homepage to uh, participate in those awards. And then if you have any questions for us, any feedback, uh, we'd love to read it out on air in the list of the mailbag. Try to keep it short if at all possible, but uh, you can reach us through web at worldsoccertalk.com. On Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Uh, Twitter is our um, at sign is um, worldsoccertalk. And, of course, on the website, too, worldsoccertalk.com. You can go there, just click on the, the pod in the navigation bar and then find the latest episodes and then just leave your comments there. We'd love to read those out on air. Uh, before we go, Kartik, uh, where can listeners uh, catch up on your British politics analysis as well as um, history about Florida and all sorts of other uh, interesting uh, stories and uh, insights? Where can they find you on Twitter? It's KK. FLA 737, and I'm sure because it's July uh, 7th as we record this, in the next few weeks it's going to become a storm tracker Twitter <laughs> because that's just the way it goes in Florida uh, this time of year, unfortunately. So I uh, might have an overdose of hurricane news on there. Uh, let's uh, Fingers crossed we don't, but uh, KKFLA 737. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and uh, you can get a new episode every Thursday. Everything on uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audio Boom, uh, Overcast, and of course, WorldSoccerTalk.com. 
And Kartik heading into another weekend. We've got Women's Euros. We've got uh, Copa America Women's. We've got W Championship. We've got NWSL, I believe. We've got MLS Games, uh, Brazilero, Argentine Football, uh, Copa Libertadores, etc. We've got all the schedules at worldsoccertalk.com. What are you going to do and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.